The Feminist Press is a partner of Fierce Women Writing. Founded in 1970 and celebrating their 50th anniversary, The Feminist Press seeks to create a world where everyone recognizes themselves in a book. A nonprofit and independent publisher, they support storytelling that ignites movements and inspires social transformation. The Feminist Press lifts up insurgent and marginalized voices from around the world to build a more just future. Learn more about their books at feministpress.org. Welcome to Fierce Women Writing, a podcast where female voices are elevated, creativity is ignited, and writers are inspired. I believe that stories can enlighten, heal, and entertain the reader and the writer. First, the writer has to quiet their doubts long enough to get the words on the page. I'm here to help you put your doubts away and focus on your creativity. Every day I talk to writers and would-be writers who aren't writing. They're not writing because they don't think they're good enough, because they've been rejected, don't have time, or don't know where to start. That's why I created this show, so that you can hear from other writers who want to inspire you to share the stories that only you can tell. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Come write with me. Hey there, fierce writers. Today's guest is Alexandra Chang. Alexandra Chang is the author of Days of Distraction. She currently lives in Philadelphia with her husband and their dog and cat. Here's Alexandra reading from Days of Distraction. Thanks so much for having me. I'm going to read from the opening of the novel, which is about a young woman who is essentially just trying to find a sense of self. People think I'm smaller than I am. For example, my feet. In fact, I wear size eight and a half or nine. According to Google, these are the most common sizes for American women. Average is good, I reason. It means that wherever I end up in this country, it will be easy to find someone whose shoes I can borrow. Everything in our house smells of mildew, even with a dehumidifier running. In the morning, while Jay still sleeps, I take out the full tank of water collected from the overnight air and dump it in our front yard, a place full of sand and desert plants. The fog hangs low over the street of families and retirees. To the east, Sutro Tower juts through the clouds. If I walked west to the end of the block, then up the long, zigzagging stairs to the top of Grandview Park, and if not for this early fog, I'd be able to see all of the sunset with its rows of pastel houses, and past that, the vast green of Golden Gate Park, where in the northwest section, the all-female herd of bison roam their paddock. I've come to cherish this ritual, in front of our small yellow house, watching the water pool dark, then sink into the ground. I know where I am and what I am doing. But now we are preparing to leave this all behind. This is the place and time in which the most average person is average in their own special way, or learns to believe it. The ordinary can be powerful. The flower, the sidewalk cone, the clouds in the sky, the sunset, so many sunsets and skies, new shoes, a haircut, overheard pieces of conversation, pets and food for sure. Anything is up for curation if that's the story you want to tell. People you've never met can reach into the snippets of your day-to-day life, add it all up to make meaning. At least that's how it feels, here, now. I know there are people who choose to opt out, though not many in this city, the center of pressure, where an office of somebody's came up with the notion of people being brands. 
Sharing and shouting isn't the issue so much as the corruption of living in real time. People experiencing everything at a remove through the eyes of a consumer, actual or potential, a future audience to judge. Some are adept at this anticipation. They gain massive followings. I do not fall into this category. I am on the other side, those long stretches of getting lost in a giant sticky web of other people's earlier moments. It's true not everyone lives like this or that. Only almost everyone I know. I write about gadgets for people with money to spend. I consider this my first real job. It feels good to have one place to go five days a week, to see the same faces, to receive a steady paycheck. It's been a year and, among many other things, I've learned that journalists love to gossip. I'm not immune. I love it too. Maybe gossip isn't the right word. We merely enjoy talking about each other. What's that if not some form of affection? I don't understand or like the reporters who don't do it. They're the less driven ones, the ones too oblivious or too precious for the job. The ones who want to be friendly with everyone, as if that doesn't also make them untrustworthy to most. It's part of our work description, trading information for information, leveraging vulnerability to gain trust, determining not only who knows what, but also how to coax those people into telling. Our office is its own microcosm of drama. It gives me almost everything I need to feel a part of the world. My title is Consumer Technology Reporter. Thank you so much for reading for us today. Welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Alexandra, what are the ideal conditions for you to write? I'm not sure that I have ideal conditions that are consistent. Um, I think it depends on my mood. Sometimes I need total quiet and a silent office where nobody bothers me. But then other times, like for example, for some reason when I'm revising, I like to be around um, other people and I like to be around noise, like a coffee shop, although I haven't been in a coffee shop for many, many months. How do you like to nurture your creativity? Everything that a person does in their day-to-day life can feed into their creativity And I try to remind myself that everything that I do, no matter how small or ordinary, can feed into creativity, like, you know, taking my dog on a walk, Um, just watching TV, uh, sometimes like sitting and doing nothing and staring out out of a window can feed into my creativity. I think for me, I just need to oftentimes remind myself that there is not so much pressure to create and that living day to day can be the thing that nurtures the creation of art. What's your best writing tip? Hmm. My best writing tip is to, and I think this is a common one, read a lot. Um, Read widely, read across genres, you know, you might be a literary fiction writer, uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, genre fiction is off limits or poetry or, um, you know, nonfiction, just like read as widely as possible and learn from all sorts of writing. What is your biggest writing challenge right now? (laughs) 
My biggest writing challenge right now is having the energy and the confidence to write in general. Um, given the the state of the world, I think it's hard for me to remember that writing writing is important to me and like my own personal relationship to writing does matter. I think oftentimes I get like really distracted and or like I don't I don't want to say hopeless, like totally hopeless, but I do think I have moments of hopelessness when um when I see what's going on in the world and yeah, writing can sometimes feel like it's just not doing enough. Um and I think that's my challenge right now trying to remember that writing even though it's not something that can really directly directly affect what's going on in the world right now, it can offer at least something for people who do encounter it. What do you do when you're trying to overcome a block? I, again, don't have a really consistent thing that I do when I'm trying to overcome a block. I think I try to do something else. Um, Try to like talk to a friend, um, read something, watch something listen to music, hang out with my dog and cat, just like anything that like relieves the pressure. And I think that's usually where writing blocks come from for me that I have feel like there's this pressure to create. Um, So to overcome that, I'm just like, okay, let's do something else. Let's take my mind off of the fact that like I have to, you know, there's never really a sense of that you have to write. Um, I mean, for me at least, like my life does not depend on it so much. So I think it's important for me in terms of overcoming blocks to like make space for joy and for like other aspects of my life. And usually I will always come back to the writing after I do something else. What about editing and revising tips? Take a break from the thing that you're trying to revise. So usually... I mean, that break could be something as short as a few days. Um, But sometimes when I'm revising a short story, I'll try to take at least like a month or two away from it so that I'm able to come back with fresh eyes. Um, Another tip, reading it aloud can really be helpful. And this is something that I just tell my students all all of the time because there's a rhythm and a sound to sentences that we're not always aware of when we don't read them aloud. And another tip, be very open to the possibilities in revision and be open to major changes. Uh, I used to find revision challenging because I was only focusing on like small edits um, like grammatical things, word choice, uh, like little sentence structure choices. And once I did realize like, oh, actually I can change the whole structure of this story or if I can like completely remove a character or smash two characters into one, um, that like just really opened up the revision process for me. And sorry, another tip, 
have a reader who you really trust, have like one or two readers who you really trust and share your work with them when you feel ready. Because having an outside eye can also really bring a lot of uh, freshness into a piece when, when we're especially just like so focused on something, we we don't often see the possibilities. So having like one or two outside people who you can depend on and who you exchange work with is really helpful. Talk to me about the relationship between your physical and mental health in your writing. <laughs> it's probably not super great right now um, since I haven't been like really taking care of my physical health as much like besides dog walking. But I, that's a tough one. I think, you know, if I'm not feeling good, then usually I'm not in a good mental state to be able to write. So being able to, I don't know, feel physically well is a really important part of being able to create. I think there are sometimes these like funny stereotypes about like emaciated and like um, really... I don't know, lonely writers who won't eat for or sleep for a really long time and while they're creating art. For me, that I cannot do that. Um, I need to sleep for a good eight to nine hours every night. Um, and if I don't, then I don't I'm not in a good mood the next day. And that's not the kind of mental state that I need to be in to write. So yeah, I guess the more I think about it, the more the two are closely related. Talk to us about your experience with publication. Hmm. So I went to an MFA program and in, during that program, we didn't really talk about what it would look like to publish a book. Um, or even sometimes we we didn't even really talk about like submitting short stories uh, to journals. And it was more of a space where we were able to focus solely on our art and on our writing. I do think that not acknowledging that publishing is a really big part of writing um, is a little bit false. I mean, clearly publishing is a big part of writing fiction, um, writing books. We do hope, I think most writers do hope to find readers. And in order to do that, we have to find venues um, to place our work or we have to find an imprint to put our work into this book format. Um, For me, I started publishing short stories in journals um, just to kind of, I don't know, get it, get a taste of what that was like. Um, I did work as a journalist before, so I had some experience in at least publishing to a wide audience um, in a in a news format, and that kind of helped me be prepared for the kinds of edits and um, the experiences of rejection that are part of publishing. No matter how successful a writer is, they've, I'm sure, gotten so, so, so many rejections and had to work with somebody to edit their own work. Um, So I was grateful that I'd had that experience in journalism. 
when I ended up publishing um, or getting this first book published, that was like a pretty traditional route. I queried agents. Um, I got a few offers and went with who I felt um, I could work with the best. And then they shopped the book around. And um, luckily, like, you know, I found an editor and an imprint. And going through that process was as a debut writer, really new and daunting and kind of scary. Um, I think there's just like a lot of emotions that come with putting out your first book, uh, especially one for me that was maybe a little bit more autobiographical and readers might uh, align with me as an author more than say like a book that is really different from uh, the author's life. So I did feel like, oh my gosh, I'm exposing myself in certain ways. Um, and it was, it was just a strange experience. Um, but in the end I was like very happy with, you know, how it all went. I felt really supported by the imprint, uh, by my editor and my agents. And that part was like really nice in the lead up to publication. Uh, my book did come out at the beginning of the pandemic, um, right as we were going under lockdowns and people were still trying to figure out like, how do we put on a book event online? How do we promote books online? So that was a little tough. Um, and I just like, like many people, I was so distracted by like the beginning of the pandemic and so concerned about what was going on that it was weird to have that feeling alongside this feeling of excitement and anticipation about my book coming out. Who are one or two other women writers or creators we should be aware of right now? Right now, I am reading Likes by Sarah Shinlian Bynum, and she is such a wonderful, amazing author. This is her third or fourth book, I think, um, and she oftentimes writes stories about women who are either reflecting back on some really emotionally heavy moment in their life or are going through that. Uh, and her writing is really lush and wonderful. Um, I learn a lot from her prose. Another writer who I'm really excited about and whose book I'm about to delve into is Gina Nutt. Um, her book is called Night Rooms, and it's a collection of essays that weaves personal life experiences and images with uh, horror films and the kinds of cultural tropes that horror films represent. Uh, this book is coming out actually in March 2021. So very excited about that. And where can listeners find you online? I am online at alexandrachang.com. I'm also on Twitter at Alexandra underscore Chang. And I'm also on Instagram at ABChang, although 
my social media presence has really dropped off in the last few months. Thank you for sharing your writing and wisdom with us today, Alexandra. And thank you. Now it's time for our writing prompt. Remember, the important part is keeping your pen moving. You can always edit later. Right now, we just want to write something new and see what happens. This is a prompt that I really loved uh, and stole from a former writing professor of mine, J. Robert Lennon. You go to mapcrunch.com where the site can give you randomized Google Street Views. You can click around um, as many street views as you want. You can also set uh, certain parameters, like I only want street views from these continents. Um, and then as you're clicking around, find one view that calls to you and write a story that takes place in that street view of your choice. Alexandra Chang's novel, Days of Distraction, is out now. The Washington Post calls her book an immersive, emotionally honest novel that thinks through our era's complexities, histories, and divisions. It wanders into the gray areas and wonders where the path forward might be. There's a link to buy it in the show notes. The last few weeks have been surprisingly hectic for me, and I need to slow down. So while I have the chance over the next week, I'm going to put away my to-do lists. All of them. All eight of them. And I'm going to spend as much time as I can with my son and with my beloved. And I'm going to give myself the headspace to see what creativity bubbles to the surface when I'm not focused on all the things I should do. Because the ideal conditions for me to write are to feel stable, to stay away from the internet, and to have plenty of free time with no obligation so that my mind can wander. I hope that you can carve out some time during this dark time of the year to give your creativity what it needs, and that by nurturing it, you nurture yourself as well. I'm Sarah Gallagher, and this is Fierce Woman Writing. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Until then, keep writing. Become a supporting member of the podcast with a monthly contribution at FierceWomenWriting.com. Get more writing prompts and engage with other writers on our Instagram page at FierceWomenWriting. Remember, women is spelled with an X. You can also help us reach more writers by sharing this episode with a friend and subscribing, downloading, and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>